it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Oh, oh. Hi everyone, Cecile here with Get Mental. I hope you guys are having a great week. Um, thank you so much for being here. Today I am going to talk about the impact of working remotely and video fatigue, okay? So, you know, with everything else going on in the world, I think this is one of those issues that I frankly have also um, neglected myself because our new normal is becoming to be just that. It's getting normalized to us. But I'm experiencing some of the effects myself as well as people who I support also coming to me with um, issues or symptoms related to prolonged working from home and the real impact of video fatigue on our health, not just our mental health, but our physical health as well. So, you know, working from home, as you know, has many advantages, right? Uh, it's convenient. Um, we can save a lot of time. We're not commuting. We're not in traffic. So that's one less stressor to deal with. It could also be less expensive for us if you're having to drive, you know, further uh, or if you have a long commute. Um, and so forth. So there's a lot of upsides to working from home and I'm personally going to miss some of the upsides when we go back to, you know, seeing people face to face. But the downsides are also, you know, uh, worth discussing because we're in this for the long haul, I think. It's going to be a marathon, right? Not a sprint. Um, thanks for watching, Calvin. Uh, let me know if you have any questions, okay? So... You know, our life has been interrupted and we don't know when this whole thing is going to end. And most of us have had to uh, work full-time or part-time from home. And there's been a lot of adjustments around that. So the big thing that um, I want to focus on is the impact on our mental health as I see it and as I also have experienced it, okay? So working from home can cause us to feel uh, socially isolated, right? From our peers, from our friends, from our, you know, bosses. Um, especially, this is especially detrimental if you have the kind of job that requires you to see a product or interface with a team um, where, you know, the performance of a team or the delivery of a product is uh, largely dependent on the cohesiveness of the team, right? And yes, Zoom can uh, meet some of those needs, but it's not the same. Um, if you're a mechanic, for example, or, you know, you're an engineer like my husband, he's very frustrated because although there are a lot of meetings they can hold virtually, they still really ideally need to be in the office to see 
the product, to see the engine, right? For therapists like myself, yes, we can do the job virtually, but it's very much more taxing for us emotionally and mentally because active listening through a computer screen is very different than active listening face-to-face -face or in the flesh. So, you know, one of the things that I hear often with my clients, and like I said, I've personally experienced it too, is the sense of isolation, right? Because when you're in the office, you get to get up from your chair, vent, talk to somebody, you know, and maybe distract yourself, laugh a little, right? Me in the office, I get to walk across the hall and talk to other colleagues uh, who may or may not be therapists, but there's that social interaction that just makes you feel a little more, more connected and alive. The other thing too is fatigue. I'm hearing a lot of fatigue and uh, exhaustion. And that's largely because of video fatigue, which I'm going to talk a little bit more in detail in the next, uh, in, in a little bit, maybe in five minutes. So loneliness, social isolation, irritability, frustration, fatigue, increased depression and anxiety are some of the things that I commonly uh, see and hear people talk about. So a lot of the work that's happening in mental health is helping people not just deal with the, the stressors that they were having before COVID, but also helping people continue to sustain the stamina it requires to function in a virtual reality. Um, so if, some of this is really normal too, by the way, okay? If you're having any of these issues or symptoms, it doesn't mean there's something wrong. Like we are, in my opinion, not wired to relate in this way. With all the upsides of digital um, communication, right? Thank God we have it because this is what's sustaining all of us. But I don't think this is a long-term solution because I do not believe, and I think a lot of scientists would agree with this, that we're wired to relate in this way, especially in the long-term. And it's gonna make more sense when I talk about video fatigue, okay? But I just wanna summarize again the, some of the mental health impact of working from home. Loneliness, social isolation, increased irritability, frustration, fatigue, feelings of disconnection, depression, anxiety, exhaustion, um, and you know, just n not wanting to do much after work because you're so tired. So if you think about it, that's really not a good combination of symptoms. So for some of us, we might be able to cope with that and find ways, creative ways to uh, mitigate some of the inevitable, inevitable, okay, impact of working from home. And for some of us, it might be that it gets worse and it starts to worsen pre-existing mental health conditions or it creates new mental health conditions. So if you are needing some help and support in this, if you're experiencing chronic symptoms, if you're feeling hopeless and helpless, you know, if you're starting to go kind of into a dark hole, don't wait till it gets worse. That's already, you know, a, a big kind of concern. Um, and there is help and support available for you. So contact your local therapist. If you're in California, think of us, transcendtherapy.ca.com. Um, 
And yeah, that's that. So I want to move into video fatigue, okay? Because I do believe this is a the primary reason why we're feeling so tired, not just because we're in a pandemic, but because of these devices that we're constantly on. So research is starting to show, because this is kind of a fairly new phenomenon for us, that video fatigue is actually really, really, really taxing on our brain and our bodies, okay? Again, I believe it's because we are not wired for multi-attention at a sustained level, right? There's times when we have to multitask, but multitasking all the time is actually um, known to be really hard on our brain, and it actually, leads to low productivity, believe it or not, meaning you think you're doing a lot because you're, you're multitasking, but um, we can't be 100-100 in both places. Does that make sense? So if you're listening to a video or watching a, uh, you're in a video meeting and then you got an email down here and maybe something else on the side, you might be paying attention to all three of them, but you can't be giving 100% in all of those areas. So somewhere you are kind of trading a quality of presence, a quality of attention. And equally worse for you is that your brain is maybe doing, working harder than it needs to, all for the sake of you multitasking, right? I also believe it creates distractibility. It's like it's, you know, kind of creating kind of a, a pseudo ADD culture for us because we're constantly like being pulled in so many different directions. Even if you're just watching TV, for example, you got somebody talking, then you got the scroll, you know, down the bottom, then sometimes you have a pop-up on the side and you're like, whoa, that's, that's a lot, right? So research is showing that this is actually not good for us. Um, we're working harder to be more present. And when you're on a video session or a Zoom meeting, you also have to like emote more so that people, you know, don't misconstrue your body language or a lack of body language as you don't, you're not listening, you don't care, and you're being disrespectful. So a lot of times we're catching ourselves kind of showing more, you know, physical emotion and so forth just to, you know, make sure that we are appearing as if we are really there and present. And so that, again, right, is not something we would have needed to do if we were in a meeting in a conference room with other people, right? And if you're in a meeting with other people in the flesh, you could like look away, you could look at the window. There's all these kind of moments of relief and reprieve for our system that we don't get to have when we are in a video conference or in a one-on-one -on -one session. Like for me, for example, right? Active listening is hard enough, meaning it requires a lot of emotional energy to be present you know and in the flesh that's hard enough and then when you do it on video it's it's almost like it's double the amount because you want to make sure that you're you are being felt across the screen kind of like this talk I'm doing you know so again it's harder for us to relate on the screen versus in person generally speaking okay and again we are not wired to multitask constantly and you know to be 
gazing one way all the time. That's actually a very important point when I was doing my research because when you think about it, when you're talking to a person in the office or face-to-face, -face, you're not constantly staring at their eyes, right? You're not doing this. But when we're on a video screen, this is we're doing this most often than not because you can't be talking like this, right? It, it, it just wouldn't work. So this kind of eye gazing is what they call it again requires a lot of mental energy and you know it's uh, it's just not something that i think is in the long term going to be really um good for us so i want to talk about solutions okay um the other thing before i talk to about solutions is I think as well, like video sessions require that we're sitting most of the time. So that's another negative. So we get double negatives with this digital communication, the multitasking involved in constantly talking through a screen. And the second negative is sitting while you're doing it. Whereas if you're in the office or if you're somewhere else, you could be walking and talking, right? You could be moving around, having lunch with somebody, a working lunch with somebody. There's so many creative ways to kind of get the work done um, when you have people in the flesh. So what do we do about this, right? Because it's not all bad. So what do we do about this so we can make this um, work for us? Um, so I am always a believer in moderation, okay? If you haven't noticed this about me, I am not a proponent of all or nothing thinking in any part of my life. So um, moderation, okay, and balance as much as you can strike it. So what does that look like in a digital environment? One thing you guys can do is see if you can select the meetings that truly require for the video to be on, right? And then select the meetings where phone conversations are appropriate or where you can turn your camera off so that you your brain can have a bit of a break and it can operate on a lower level of wattage, so to speak, versus being always at 90 or 100 when you have somebody kind of looking at you, you know, through a screen, right? So those are some practical ways to kind of start to mitigate the uh, impact of video fatigue. See which ones you, you can do over the phone and which meetings you can turn the camera off, okay? Secondly, my suggestion is if you have a lot of these kind of uh, um, distractions on the screen, if they're not urgent, practice turning it off or turning some of it off. And I know for me, I have to practice that too because it's easy to get so distracted with all the pings and the pongs and you think you're being productive by, you know, doing them all at once. But again, you know, when I'm mindful and aware enough and I remember that it's not really good for me and this is not urgent, this is just habit, turning it off actually, you can start to feel a sense of calmness, you know, and you can be more present with what is happening and feel good about your performance at this particular meeting or whatever it is, uh, presentation, because you, you are more present, OK? 
okay? And a lot of times it's also a practice in general just to be more present. And that's another conversation because that's really hard for a lot of us, especially Americans, because our culture is go, 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 do, 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 accomplish, 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 check the list, check the list. So that's another conversation. But in general, that's better for our mental health when we are present more often than not, okay? And one of my favorite teachers that I always mention, Miss Tara Brock, she talks about this and she describes it as we're always on our way on our way somewhere else. We're never fully arrived in a moment. Right? Just really want to slow that down. I want you guys to take that in. We are always on our way somewhere else mentally. And it's hard for us to fully arrive in this moment. And there's a price to pay when we make that a lifestyle or a habit. And so to apply that back to the subject of video fatigue, that's what's happening is our brain can never really just <sighs> relax into this space because it's on its way somewhere else. So it's working harder than it needs to. And so when we take away some of the distraction, it just helps our brain go, oh, I can just focus on one thing. I can focus on one thing and hopefully do it well, right? That's the whole point. So moderation, balance, being selective about when do you really need to do Zoom. For us therapists, we don't really have that option. Well, sometimes phone is an option depending on the client, right? And if you're a therapist and you're listening to this, what you can do is actually space your clients a little differently than you would have if you were seeing them in the flesh. So instead of maybe doing back-to-back -back sessions, maybe have 15-minute breaks in between sessions or 30-minute breaks or do two back-to-back -back and then an hour break and then another two back-to-back, -back, depending on your stamina, right? But the idea here is to listen to your body's cues and to take care of yourself and do what works for you. Um, based on what we know about what this is doing to our brains and our bodies, okay? The other thing that I've personally done myself is I bought myself a walking pad. And a walking pad is, um, you know, it's like a treadmill, but it's you can just walk on it. It's very gentle. You can walk while you're talking. It's, it doesn't even sound like you're walking. Um, and so for some of the clients that I have who are phone only, I will walk while I'm talking to them and it actually uh, is very effective for me and I find myself just more energized and sometimes more clinically creative and present because I'm moving my body and we know how bad sitting for hours and being sedentary is really bad for us which like I pointed out a few minutes ago is one of the reasons I also think that we're getting more tired working from home because we are just sitting for too long and being on a video screen, which is a double negative, right? So see if there are ways you can walk and talk at the same time, basically. When I worked um, for foster youth many, many years ago, we had a thing, uh, a form of therapy called milieu therapy. And so what that was is we went to the environment where the kids were, instead of waiting for them to come to our office, which most kids don't wanna do that, especially teens, right? And be sitting in an office just talking. That's not developmentally uh, 
appropriate for them in many ways. They don't relate that way. So this was a really great model in that we had to walk to where the kids were, find them in their environment, and then either, you know, if they're, you know, uh, playing a game, we'll play with them. If they're doing basketball, we try to shoot hoops with them. If they just want to go for a walk, we walk and talk with them. So there's some value to this and there's some um, science to walking and talking. Um, I don't have a whole lot of resources to give to you guys, but I know that there, there there's some research going on around this. It's called milieu therapy. But um, that's something you can do if possible. Can you walk and talk during a meeting, right? Can you walk and talk with some of your clients? Can you do like 15, 20 minutes of yoga or a gentle walk during your lunch break? Okay, which by the way brings me to my next point. A lot of times when we're working from home, work and home gets so blurry. The line between the two worlds gets so blurry. And more people are actually uh, saying that they're working more now that they're working from home because it's harder for them to set boundaries with themselves and to delineate what's work time and what's, you know, my time. And so you have to be really cognizant of how many hours you're putting in and why if it's more than the expected. And I know some companies kind of like turn a blind eye on that, right? But you can still take charge of your time and your energy and see if you can schedule breaks and lunch breaks. You know, I know, I have to remind my husband that all the time too. It's like, hey, have you had lunch? Oh no, I'll do it at this time. And so it gets kind of hard to commit to self-care when you're constantly changing some of these things. So structure is one of the key things that I recommend. And again, being creative about, you know, when to do the email, when to do the phone, and when to do the actual video meetings. Because not all meetings need to have the video on, in my opinion. And see if you can advocate for that and talk to your bosses about it, okay? And going for walks and little little uh, <clears throat> gentle exercises or stretches in between. I personally do that, um, especially when I was in the office seeing clients. I have a yoga mat, and I will do the yoga mat um, I will use my yoga mat, you know, 15 or 10 minutes before a session begins and just make sure I'm stretching my body because sitting for hours is just hard on your body. So I'm going to read some, some of the other recommendations from the Ameri American Psychiatric Association, APA, and they have a segment called Center for Workplace Mental Health, Center for Workplace Mental Health. And so... Some of the things they've said here uh, is keep a regular schedule, okay, so kind of similar to what I was talking about, no, having a lunch schedule, a set lunch schedule if possible, a set time for breaks, just so you can commit to it, um, is usually better than kind of winging it on the, on the daily. Um, it's harder for people to stick to that self-care if it's not built into your life. You got to kind of bake it into your day. Um, the other thing they say is keep your immune system strong. So back to basics, sleep, nutrition, exercise, and taking vitamins, especially when we're stressed. It depletes us of a lot of vitamin Bs. And so it's good to take a lot of vitamin Bs and Cs, especially 
when we are stressed out. Um, stay informed, which we already know, you know, to do that, limit your media consumption and set boundaries on your work schedules. A lot of the stuff I actually already talked about. Um, so we're on the same page, right? Me and APA. <laughs> Just kidding. And then the one thing they have here is distract and redirect. Basically, you know, that's where taking a break can be really helpful and just kind of distract yourself from the issues that you're holding on to or stressed out about. And it's, I know it's not easy to do that because when we're stressed, it's like, ah, we're, uh, we're more attached to the problem when we're stressed, right? And so this doesn't mean ignoring the problem. It just means taking a break from it, clearing your head, trusting you're going to go back to the issue in 15 or 20 minutes but just giving yourself permission to let go of it temporarily so that when you come back, you're feeling more refreshed and hopefully will feel more energized to tackle it, to tackle the problem. So these are small yet powerful ways that you can sustain yourself during this unknown deadline that we're all working towards, meaning we all want it to end except the deadline is unknown, right? So it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And it's going to be survival of the people who are taking care of themselves. So I hope you guys found this helpful. The reason I wanted to do this, like I said, is because I'm experiencing it myself. And a lot of people I support are coming to me with all of these, you know, uh, working from home related stress. And uh, I just wanted to normalize it and validate you guys that the struggle is real. A lot of our uh, responses and reactions are normal. But, you know, see where you can create more balance for, your, for yourself. Kind of look at the ways in which you are moving through the day. And see if you can implement some of the suggestions that were made here today. Because I do believe if you do make some of this a habit and you make some of these small changes, you're going to feel the difference and you're going to feel a lot better. Okay? So that's it, you guys. Thank you, as always, for watching. If you have any questions about future topics, please let me know. I really want um, Get Mental to be meaningful and applicable and relevant to you. And again, um, like I always say, be well, be gentle, get mental, because we all have issues. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Aarons. No.